Turn with me to 1 Samuel chapter 23 and verse 14. I want you to notice what Scripture says one more time in verse 14. It says that David stayed in the desert strongholds and in the hills of the desert as if. And day after day, Saul searched for him, but God did not give David into his hands. It says that David stayed in the wilderness. He stayed in these strongholds and in the hill country, and Saul sought him every single day. Like a bloodhound on the scent of a wild animal, Saul hunts David with all of his might. Saul is consumed with murdering David. And it, and, 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 it, and it wasn't just Saul David had to fear. Notice verse 8 of our text this morning. It says, And Saul called up all, circle that, all his forces for battle to go down to Keilah to besiege David and his men. It says that David went from there, he and his men, and all of these soldiers were pursuing him. They were hounding him. They were after him. Not just Saul, not just a handful of men, but it says all of Saul's soldiers. And what does David do? Well, look at chapter 23, verse 29 with me. Notice, and David went up from there and lived in the strongholds of the En Gedi. Now, at this particular time, it says that David with his men... Remember, he started off with 400 men in the, in, the, in the cave that we talked about last week. Now he has 600 men. There are all these malcontented people. There are all these people that owe debts. They hated Saul, and they begin to drift into David's army and to drift into David's camp. And David is shaping this ragtag group of individuals and people, and, and, and they become his future cabinet members. They become his future leaders, and, and they be, they're very, very loyal to David. And so Saul is pursuing him with all of his might and with all this army, and he's going from place to place. And finally, David ends up in a place called the En Gedi. Now, translated in Hebrew, it is called the spring of the goat. The spring of the goat. And it was a perfect hideout for David. And it was, and still is today, is an oasis. It's an oasis out in the desert wilderness. And there's beautiful streams, and there's waterfalls, and there's all kinds of limestone caves in that particular area. And it was a strategic location because it was above the desert plain. And David and his soldiers could see any enemy that was coming up upon them. And so David and his men took refuge in the rocks and the caves of the En Gedi, this place of goats, this oasis. Now I want you to notice what happens. This is very interesting to me in chapter 24. And let's look at verses 1 through 4 one more time, very quickly. It says, After Saul returned from pursuing the Philistines, he was told, David is in the desert of the En Gedi. So Saul took 3,000 chosen men, 3,000 against 600 from all of Israel, and he set out to look for David and his men in the crags of the wild goats. Notice, he came to the sheep pens along the way. A cave was there, and Saul went to relieve himself. David and his men were far back in the cave. The men said, this is the very day. Underline that, circle it. This is the very day the Lord spoke of when he said to you, I will give your enemies in your hands for you to deal with as you wish. And then David crept unnoticed and cut off a corner of Saul's robe. Now, Saul is answering the call of nature. Saul went to relieve himself. And David and his men, unknown to Saul, are in the recesses of that particular cave. They're hiding out there. And Saul is in the mouth of the cave where there's a little bit of light. And David's men, notice, David's men said, the Lord has given Saul right into your hands. He's given Saul right into your hands. 
So you might as well kill him and take advantage and take your revenge upon Saul. What a perfect offer, opportunity David's men whisper to him. Now it is this particular point that I want to talk about the three facts, what I call three facts of revenge. There are three facts of revenge, three facts about the temptation to seek revenge. Fact number one, realize, realize that we will be mistreated. You say, Pastor Ron, that's, a, that's an understatement. Duh. I don't know. You get around some Christian people and they wonder and they really, it's a mystery to them because we read in Peter says, you know, that we will have uh, trials and tribulations. Scripture says that. We will be mistreated intentionally and unintentionally. We will be mistreated by unchurched people and also church people. We will be mistreated by people who profess Jesus Christ as their Savior and will be betreated by people who don't know Jesus Christ. The Bible indicates, it's a fact, we will be mistreated. It's not if, but it's when. We will be mistreated. We're not looking for it. We're not masochists. We aren't looking over our shoulder all the time. But we will be mistreated. Don't be surprised, the Bible says, by various trials. And some of the various trials are people who will do things against you and against your loved ones intentionally and unintentionally. You will be mistreated. I will be mistreated. Fact number one, realize that we will be mistreated. Now, David defeated Goliath. He defeated Goliath. He had served Saul and Israel faithfully. There's no doubt. He made no political threats. He called no groups toward him. He said he, he, he created no rally. He said he, he didn't say, hey, let's rally the troops together. I'm going to overthrow Saul. I'm going to overthrow his kingdom. He served Saul faithfully. He did everything that he was supposed to do. He honored Saul. He, he ministered to him when Saul was, uh, remember, when he was possessed by the de demonic spirit. He, he sang... Hour after hour, he played his instrument. He did not do anything. He did not raise one hand against Saul. Yes, he was anointed the king, but he knew that God, that was God's anointed, and he wasn't going to lift his hand up against him, and he was determined to serve him. He was a, a, a guard. He was a personal bodyguard of Saul. And he did all these things, and yet the Bible says that while David was playing a harp, Saul three times through the spear and tried to pin David against the wall. Tried to murder David for David being faithful. And, and David uh, had a pure heart and he, he, he was ministering to Saul and yet Saul did this. He did this. He was mistreated. Why? Why back in the Old Testament, uh, the early part of the Bible, did Cain kill Abel during the time of Adam and Eve? His own brother. Why did he do that? And why would Saul threaten a young man many years younger who was so faithful to him because of sin and because of carnality and because of old snaggletooth, all those reasons? We will be mistreated. People who are out for what they want often will lie and cheat and steal and walk over people and realize that it is just a part of life. Unfortunately, there are Christian people who do this as well, who operate in the flesh. We call it the flesh. And this happens at churches, and this happens at Christian colleges, and it happens uh, around the world. I was working years ago at a small Christian college as an admissions counselor. 
I had gone to that college, went away to our first pastorate, came back and did some further graduate work in the Portland, Oregon area, and I got a job, part-time job, as an admissions counselor. And the president of the college fired a man in my office while I was working there. And it was justifiable. It was justifiable. And yet, that man who was fired spread all kinds of vicious lies and rumors about the college administration. It is a fact. We will be mistreated intentionally and unintentionally. Fact number two. Fact number two. Refuse, refuse the temptation to seek revenge. Refuse the temptation to seek revenge. Take the high road because when someone slaps you in the face, you want to break their jaw. It's true. You want to break their jaw. When you've been mistreated or somebody mistreats somebody that you love, it's inevitable that you will be livid. You'll be angry. You'll get even. You'll want to get even. You'll want to become, uh, you want to get payback upon that person. You, 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 you just want to do it. You'll be tempted. Now back to our story. We read verses, <clears throat> chapter 24, verses 1 through 4. The Bible is a real book. And this is this unique story is proof. In the midst of this mad rush, in the midst of this mad rush to kill David, Saul must answer the call of nature. And so Saul finds himself crouching in the privacy of this cave. But he does not know that David and his men are further back in the darkness and they're hiding there. Bad enough for the king to be seen in this moment in this vulnerable position, but in the very presence of the one that he's trying to kill, in the very presence of the one that he did wrong, in the very presence of the person that he stripped away his, his wife from him, he took away his, his position, he took away his best friend, he took away all of these things, in the very presence of this young man who's been dealt this dirty hand by this king who's answering the call of nature. And he's ripe you might want to say, to plunge the dagger in his back, to cut his throat, a stab here, a stab there. And it feels so good because we all have been in that position where somebody has wronged us and it feels so good to get them back and to take revenge. And here is... Saul in this, again, this most vulnerable position. Literally exposed. And here is David's sworn enemy. And did you notice the advice that David got from his men? Did you notice that? Did you hear that? Look at it with me one more time. Verse 4. The men said, This is the very day, this is the very day the Lord spoke of when he said to you, I will give your enemy in your hands for you to deal with him as you wish. They said, David, God has put Saul right there. And here's a sword. God gets blamed for a lot of things. Did you know that? Did you know that? God gets blamed for a lot of things. 
We are to never, ever, no matter the circumstance, we are to never, ever seek revenge and take revenge upon somebody else. I want you to notice Romans chapter 12, verses 18 through 21. If it's not your messengers, I think it is. But listen, this is what Scripture says. Paul, writing to the Roman church, said, Vengeance is mine. I will repay, says the Lord. Never take your own revenge. Don't overcome. Don't be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Take the high road. Take the high road. Pastor Ron, it's difficult. It is so hard. How often does Scripture say that we're supposed to seek revenge? Once? Twice? Three times? Not once. Not one time. Now, we're not talking about national defense. We're not talking about de- uh, talking about defending our shores, our freedoms. We're not talking about what is right in the public arena. We're talking about a personal offense that comes against us or comes against someone that we love and, uh, and where harm was done, intentionally or unintentionally. Well, let's go back to our story. Let's go back to our story. The soldier said, it's God's will. It's God's will that you take this opportunity and that you slip up on David and you slit his throat or you stab him there and you can get rid of him. Now think about it. It is God's will. And, and all your problems will be solved, David. All, every single problem you have, you won't have to be on the run anymore. You can be reunited with your wife. You can be reunited with your best friend. All the soldiers will throw their arms down and all the soldiers will go to your side. Everyone will rally around you. All you have to do is go up and do this one particular act, seek revenge and kill Saul And what an opportune place. He won't know what's hit him. It's God's will. And I want you to notice what David does instead of killing Saul. In verse 4 he says, He arose and he cut off the edge of Saul's robe secretly. Now, can't you just picture, maybe you can't, but in your mind's eye, he's taking care of business, Saul is. He's looking out of the cave, and David sneaks up behind him ever so silently, and he cuts off a piece of Saul's robe. Now, something interesting happens here, though. Instead of gloating over this, like it's some sort of trophy, like the Comanches used to do in the Apaches, they would go up and touch an enemy, and, and uh, they would gloat over that. They would got, got big medicine for doing that. It says that his conscience bothered him. His conscience bothered him. Why? Humanly speaking, he could have killed Saul. Instead, he cut off a piece of robe. What's the big deal? He didn't kill him. Who's going to notice? Just a little piece of Saul's robe. And did you know this is true? That's the way that often people rationalize. That's That's often the way that people will rationalize the temptation for revenge or the temptation to steal or light or lie or, 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 or to cheat. Who cares if I just take that little bit from the company? They've made a $4 million profit this past year. I heard about a guy a while back that began to walk earnestly with God. And he said, when I got to the place, when I got to the place that I could not take a paper clip, I knew that God was really doing something deep in my heart and life. There's no such thing as a small step toward the pathway to revenge or retaliation or temptation. It starts off so subtle, 
just a little white lie. Oh, it feels so good to seek revenge. It feels so good to talk about that person in a derogatory way. Uh, just a little bit white lie. And, and then I've got to stretch the chutes a little bit more. And oh, that feels good. And oh, it feels good to say that. And it feels good to do that. And it feels good to get revenge. And David felt bad because he cut off the king's garment. And now he's experiencing justified guilt. I want you to notice what David said in verse 26 here. He says, Far be it from me because of the Lord that I should do this to my Lord, the Lord's anointed. Far be it from me. Now those of you who served in the military, I don't know if you read this or if you had this experience, but I read that when they drill soldiers, they say often, you don't salute the man, you salute the rank. You don't salute the man, you salute the rank. If he's a major and he's fallen down drunk, you don't salute the man, you still salute the rank. In other words, you honor the position, you don't necessarily honor the personality. And I believe this is what David is doing. He doesn't like Saul. Saul is a murderer. He's full of demons. He's been doing all this terrible and awful stuff to David. But David knows that God wants him to honor the position. He's still the king, and he will not raise his hand against the king. And his soldiers are beside themselves. They say, basically, to him. They argue in the cave. They did not like it. They did not like it. And in verse uh, chapter 24, chapter 24, verse 7, it says, David persuaded his men. In Hebrew, it means he tore them apart. He lit into them. He said, in my paraphrase, this is the king's anointed. Who am I to even cut off a section of his robe? I'm going to honor the position while I don't like the personality. And even though I don't like some of our politicians, I would hope that I could, in a respectful way, honor the position while not necessarily liking the personality. Now some of you may be hanging the balance. Hanging the balance. In other words, the temptation for revenge is knocking on your door. Don't go down that pathway. Don't do it. Fact number three. Fact number three. Recognize, recognize that your adversaries, be, be, co, be, be, be they uh, co-workers or, or people that you work with or family members or, or next-door neighbors or even church people, recognize that they understand the right facts, that they understand the right facts, and that you want peace with them, and that you want peace with them. Now, I want you to listen to what Scripture says. Proverbs 16:7 says, When a man or woman's way is pleasing to the Lord, he even or, uh, makes his enemies to be at peace with him. 
I'll say it one more time. When a man or woman's way is pleasing to the Lord, he even makes his enemies to be at peace with him. That's a well of a promise. But did you notice the word easy is not in that proverb? It's not easy. It's not easy to be reconciled to a person who you, you have problems with. It's not easy to go to the person and state the facts. Because whenever we go to that person and we want to have peace with them and we want to say, here are the facts, we often want to say other things. Like, here's your problem and this is what you've done. But that's not what David did. He didn't bring up King Saul's faults, as we will later see. Look at verses 8 and 9 with me. Then David went out of the cave and called to Saul, My Lord and King! And when Saul looked behind him, David bowed down and prostrated himself. In other words, he humbled himself with his face to the ground. And notice the facts. He said to Saul, Why do you listen when men say, David is bent on harming you. This day you have seen with your own eyes how the Lord delivered you into my hands in the cave. Some urged me to kill you, but I spared you. I said, I will not lift my hand against my master because he is the Lord's anointed. And he showed him the piece of the robe that he had cut off. Now wait a minute. What is David doing? What's David doing? He's doing something that's very, very important. Wrong has been done to David, and when you have been wrong, it is necessary for you to humbly go to the person. It says he prostrated himself to declare the truth. You are responsible for declaring the truth in a humble way. You're not responsible for how the person will respond back to you, but you're responsible for trying to make men's trying to make peace. You put the ball in their court, but you can't, you can't control how they're going to respond back. And this is exactly what David did. He stated the facts. He says, people have been lying to you. And uh, you, if you need to, you apologize for your part. Again, you can't change how the person feels, how they react, but you can put the ball in their court. And... David says all this stuff, and Saul basically responds and says in verses 16 through 19, David, you're a better man than I am. You're a better man than I am. You, you, you did a wonderful thing, sparing my life. Who else in the world would do this? I can't guarantee that your enemy will be your enemies will be at peace with you if you do this. And I can't guarantee that it will uh, be easy. But when you do it, you've done your part. I mentioned Corey Timboom last Sunday, and I mentioned how this Dutch lady who had this hiding place in the top of her home who helped hundreds of Jewish people escaping the Nazi regime, how she was arrested with her father and her mother and their siblings. They were all arrested, and they ended up in the, in the German POW camps. And she ended up with her sister at Ravensbrück, which was one of the worst ones. 
And you can imagine, we've all heard the stories, we've, we've all seen those news clips about the atrocities that were committed there. She watched her sister being abused. They abused her. They, they beat her. They, they did all of these terrible and awful things to the people around them. They killed and they murdered people, innocent people by the hundreds, by the thousands. They burnt their bodies. They did all this terrible stuff. And there was one guard in particular who was the meanest. And the most terrible. And Corey Boom writes about that particular guard. And if you can believe it, after uh, this atrocities, after World War II, Corey Tim Boom is sharing her message. She's sharing her testimony. She's sharing God's love with people clear around the world. And she's in Europe. And she's especially, I think, I believe it was in Germany someplace. And guess who was in the back of her, um, back of the auditorium? She writes about it. The meanest, most abusive guard at that POW camp. And here she is. She's talking about the love of Jesus. She's talking about the forgiveness of Jesus. She's talking about not seeking revenge and not taking revenge, turning the other cheek. And here is this very guard. Afterward, she made her way toward him and he made her way, he made her, uh, his way toward her. She indicates it was hard. It's the hardest thing in the world to let go of your so-called right for revenge and to extend grace and forgiveness. And with tears in her eyes, after they exchanged words. See, basically, in my prayer, he says, you did terrible, awful things, but I forgive you. I forgive you. That's, that's mercy. They don't deserve it. I'm going to give it because of God's grace. Let's pray together.